chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Um, while you're turning there, I have a question for Larry. Uh, do you like fish? You'll eat a lot of it over there. Uh, when my son went back many years ago initially to help build the house uh, that got destroyed by the mud mudslide, he took a big cooler with him with a frozen turkey in it because they can't get turkey over there. And then he loaded it up with yellowfin tuna and brought it home. And, um, oh, man, that was some of the best tuna I've ever had in my life. So it, you may want to think about that. <laughs> Because you can get you can get yellowfin tuna over there really really cheap. So anyway, Exodus chapter twenty. We have been <clears throat> talking the last few weeks about the Ten Commandments, and um, <clears throat> uh, we uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, discovered that although many of us um, try our best to live by them, most of us don't know all of them by heart. So I'm going to read them off to you so that you can uh, uh, kind of make a mental note of them. In fact, I would challenge you to memorize them. Uh, the first one is, uh, thou, shalt not have, uh, uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number two, thou shalt uh, not make unto thee any graven images. Number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Number five, honor thy father and thy, and thy mother. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet. And on the surface, we look at these Ten Commandments and we think, you know, yes, that's right. We should not do all of these things. But when, what, what, is, what is the implication when God gives us a thou shalt not? What is the implication of that? Okay. No, the, the implication is you should do. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> thou shalt have no other gods before me. What is the implication? The implication is, I am your God. That's the implication. Uh, thou shalt not kill. What is the implication? Thou shalt cherish life. You, you see, the, you see the, the implication of it. And oftentimes, <clears throat> we, we always, and I think it's our nature, is we tend to focus on the negative. The things we can't do. You know, when uh, most of you know that my my wife and I a couple of weeks ago went back east and babysat our grandchildren, our three grandchildren for uh, for uh, seven days. And for seven days, I, I felt like I was, don't touch that, don't go here, don't do this. You know, and and we spend so much time telling our kids and our grandkids what they can't do. I, I figured it out about halfway through this week of quote-unquote vacation, that, you know what, there's a lot that they can do. And if I can focus on telling the grandkids what they can do, I don't have to worry about what they can't do. Does that make sense? So when you read these, 
try, try, try to go back and read them in the positive and not the negative. But anyway, I want to make a statement here, and I, I believe it to be true, um, and that is this. A man may live every word of the Ten Commandments and never truly love God. Let me say that again, and hopefully it'll sink in. A man may live every word of the Ten Commandments and never truly love God. Now, in the, in the Bible, there are two groups of people that we really don't know much about because um, they, they, were, they were Jewish. We're, we're not Jewish, so we, you know, we tend to just really not pay a whole lot of attention to them. But these two groups of people are the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes, uh, I want to define each of these groups for you and so you kind of understand who they are. The scribes uh, examine the more difficult and subtle questions of the law. Not the civil law, but the law of God. In other words, they would, they would be equivalent, if you would, to religious lawyers. And if there was a question of, of whether a person should do something or not do something, they would go to a scribe and the scribe would interpret whether it was lawful to do something. And, and it was the scribes that came up with uh, the list of the Sabbath, the, the, the things you could do on the Sabbath and the things you couldn't do and blah, blah, blah. And, it, and it, that that's the, was the job of the scribes. The Pharisees were uh, they were the 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 firm theologians they they were the ones that resisted the Roman Empire they were very um, um, uh, what's the word uh, they they were they were the ones really pushing the uh, the autonomy of Israel and the and the theocracy and the fact that that God is our God and not the Roman government. And, and they were very influential within the, within the, uh, uh, the people of, of Israel at the time. According to Josephus, they numbered about 6,000 or maybe a little bit more uh, during the time of Jesus. So here you have this, these two religious groups of, of people that if there was ever a group of people that could live the Ten Commandments, it was these two groups, the scribes and the Pharisees. They knew the law inside and out. They interpreted the law. They enforced the law, if you would. It was them that if there, again, if there's ever been a group of people that could live the Ten Commandments, it would be these two groups. But what did Jesus say about them? In Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28, it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. What is Jesus? Right out of the gate, Jesus calls them hypocrites. Why? Because they were living one way and talking another. He says, For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, 
but are within full of dead men's bones and are all unclean. Even so, ye, uh, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. What, it, what was Jesus saying? Out of, out of anybody who's ever lived, the scribes and the Pharisees knew the Ten Commandments inside and out. And if there was ever a group of people that could live the Ten Commandments, it would be them. And guess what? They did. They adhered to every word. But what does Jesus say about them? You look good on the outside. You keep every word. But your heart is cold and dead. Now let me ask you kind of an obvious question. What about your life? Is God more concerned about what you look like on the outside or is he more concerned about what you look like on the inside? He's far more concerned about your heart. Now, does he care about the outside? He obviously does because he gave us the Ten Commandments. But he's far more... See, the reality is, if we look good on the outside, but we're cold and dead on the inside, we're, God calls us hypocrites. But what happens over here when we first, like we learned in Corinthians this morning, we first give of ourselves or we first give our hearts to God, what does he do? He cleans us from the inside out, not the outside in. So the key really in all of this is your heart. What is, what is chapter 20 of Exodus really about? Is it about getting you to live within a box? Or is it about you giving your heart to God so he can change your life? It's about, it's about your heart. You shall have no other gods before me. What is that? That is, hey, I am your God. The second commandment, thou shalt not uh, make unto thee any graven images. What? He doesn't want you bowing down to the things of this world. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Why? Because God is the God of heaven. And what happens when we take the name of the Lord in vain? We offend an almighty God. We don't want to do that. Again, it's a picture of what's going on in the heart. Because what comes out of our mouths, what comes out of our mouths is what's really in our hearts. Number four, remember the Sabbath and what? The key, the key to number four is the last four words. Keep it holy. Again, we talked about this last, last week and we're not going to rehash it. But um, the Sabbath was an important thing to God. And if you, if you need to, you can go back and listen to last week's message, but we don't have time uh, this morning to rehash. Let's look at number five. Honor thy father and mother. Look at verse 12. 
Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The Jews were taught to respect the aged and to take care of their senior citizens. There was no social security in this, in this time. What, what would happen? What, what, what happened was when, a, when a, a people got old, their, their family would just take care of them. That's what they did. There, there was no social security network. There was none of that because there was no need because the, the, the Jewish people were taught at a young age to take care of their parents. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be uh, an ornament of grace unto thy head and a chain about thy neck. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Now, if you're a parent here, do not elbow your kid right here, okay? Do not do that, okay? Uh, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, uh, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long upon the earth. Okay, uh, an interesting thought. I read this. I would give quote to the. I would give uh, credit to the author of the quote I'm about to read, but uh, I couldn't. I couldn't find. Re, I couldn't refine the quote. So I'm just going to read the quote. Um, how we treat the seniors today will determine how you will be treated tomorrow. Think about that. How we treat seniors today will determine how <clears throat> you are, how you will be treated tomorrow. Interesting quote. I, I just thought that was interesting. The key word to this commandment, I believe, is the word honor. Now I want to stop right here. I want to I want to I'm going to read this. <clears throat> this, this, this my it's it's I wrote it, <clears throat> but I want to read it because so I don't want to mess it up. <clears throat> but I want to read a disclaimer here. I know that many people today struggle with this particular commandment because of things that have happened to you at the hands of your parents. I know many of you sitting in this room have horror stories of things that have happened to you. And I want to say I'm sorry. I I hate it. It should never have happened. I wish I could take it away. But I can't. But I can tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says to honor your parents. So what does it mean to honor? I've had many people who have been abused physically, emotionally by their parents come to me and say, Pastor, how in the world can I honor my parents? Well, here, let me, hopefully, let me help you with that. I'm going to read to you again, the, uh, I want to read the definition of what it means to honor. Honor your father and mother is being respectful in word and action and having an inward attitude of esteem for their position. Please get this. 
literally what it means. Honor is to give respect, not only for merit, but also for rank. Let me, let me explain it to you this way. I do not care. I do not care who sits in the White House of the United States. But I will always respect the office. One of the things that absolutely drives me nuts, and I don't know, it started in the last 10 years or so, is when the media refers to the president as George or Obama or Trump or whoever drives me nuts. Why? Because they don't respect the office. And what, what God is saying here, and, and, and those of you that were in the military know exactly what I'm about to say. There were times that I had to salute officers over me that I couldn't stand, that I knew were horrible officers. But why did I have to salute them? Because of what they wore in their collar. And that's what this is talking about. This is not talking about respecting necessarily the individual, but the rank. Honoring parents, honoring the position, puts us on a path to glorifying God. Say, what are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is what? Well-pleasing unto the Lord. Again, the fifth commandment has everything to do about your heart. Everything. Number six, thou shalt not kill. Life, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I'm going to apologize right now. Hello, are you listening, people out there in, in, in Cyberland? Because uh, we do record these and put them on the Internet. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say some po politically incorrect things here. Just saying. Okay, life is precious to God. All life. I I I want to throw something at the TV when I hear the news and they're interviewing somebody who's talking about black Black Lives Matter, or or Blue Lives Matter, or Purple Lives Matter, or Green Life, you know, whatever, whatever their agenda is. You know what? All life is precious to God. Let me say that again. All life is precious to God. I don't care what color it is. I don't care what profession it is. Every life matters to God. Whew. I get worked up on that one. 
I'm just going to say it. Euthanasia and abortion are wrong. God is the only one who has right to give and take life. Job chapter 14, verse 5, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. In other words, God has your number. He knows. He knows. I just wish sometimes he'd let me know. No, I don't. (laughs) I can't do this another 40 years. No. Isaiah chapter, chapter 44, verse 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. You get that? Formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, and spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. I get asked often, uh, quite actually about this particular commandment, and in reference to those of us that have served in the military, the difference between what we call murder and killing. Okay, there's a huge difference here, and I want to simply explain it to you. What is what in the in the in this commandment when God says, "Thou shalt not kill." In our 21st century vernacular, that would be the word murder. Okay, it's, it has the idea of something that's premeditated. Okay, that is absolutely against the law of God. Killing, on the other hand, in self-defense or in the military, in the sense of a military or national defense, is not only okay by God, but it is commanded by God. There is a big difference. First John chapter 3, verse 15. This is a verse that every one of us hates. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow. That's, that's just laying it out there, isn't it? And you, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So what is... What is <clears throat> What are, what, are, what are we learning here in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 15? It is a matter of what? The heart. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. But if we hate someone, what have we done? We've committed murder in our hearts. See, it's about the heart. And then very quickly... Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. Look at verse 14. Did I ever read verse 13? I don't think I did. Well, let's read 13 and 14. Thou shalt not kill. Uh, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Committing adultery. We live in a society that has whitewashed adultery. Our TV shows are full of It's okay. It is disgusting. And God hates it. Joseph in the Old Testament lived in a time very similar to ours that 
uh, adultery was just understood within the society. It was, it was just part of a standard operating procedure. And, and the attitude was, well, everybody else is doing it. Why can't I? Isn't that what, where we live today? But I want to read to you a section out of Genesis chapter 39. And, and again, this, is, this goes to the heart Genesis 39, verses 7 and following says, And it came uh, to pass after these things that his master's wife uh, cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto her, uh, his, his master's wife, Behold, my master uh, rotteth not uh, what, is, uh, what is with uh, me in the, in the house. In other words, he has no idea what I do. Uh, he was the manager of the household. There is none greater uh, in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How can I do this great wickedness? And what? Sin what? Sin against God. See, it's a matter of the heart. And it came to pass as, as she spake to Joseph, what? Day by day. This wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a constant, constant, constant push, 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 push. Joseph was bombarded with the opportunity to sin that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be with her. What was it? Joseph understood it was a matter of the heart. It wasn't a matter of the society. If, if, he, if it was a societal issue, Joseph would have done it because everybody else was doing it. But he knew that it was totally against the heart of God to violate this very important principle. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath what? Committed adultery already. Again, it is a matter of the heart. Are you seeing a pattern here? God is after one thing in your life. I'm just here to tell you, God wants one thing from you. And you all know the answer, your heart. See, because if he has your heart, he's got everything. You know, this is Missions Month, and, you, and, and, and some of you may be sitting there thinking, well, what have the Ten Commandments got to do with missions? It's got everything to do with missions. Because if God has your heart, then giving a little bit extra money to missions is no big deal. Deciding to say, hey, I'll go to Pontipay and build a retaining wall. So what? I missed two weeks' work. You know what? God will provide. Why? Because God has his heart. But if he's living over here, what's going to happen? If he's living in the flesh and he's living in this facade of, of righteousness, what's going to happen? Well, let's see. Uh, two weeks' worth of work and... And uh, it's going to cost blah, 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 blah. Well, the church needs to give me X amount of dollars so I can go do it. No. You see the difference? 
God wants your heart. And if he has your heart, everything else is his too. The Ten Commandments has everything to do with missions. Question. I asked it at the very beginning. What is missions really all about? Missions is about your heart. The Ten Commandments are about your heart. Will I go? Will I, will I pray? Will I help? Will I sacrifice? And the list can go on and on and on. But if he has your heart, there is no list. Because you'd be willing to do what God wants you to do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day and thank you for your love and